glory and honor to the most high the one who is mother of life to us the sustainer of our souls the one whose mighty arms are underneath us the one who watches over us the Bible says that his eyes look to and fro over all the earth and he shows himself strong on behalf of them who love him the Bible says that he's our shield and our buckler. He's our glory, even the lift up of our heads. We cried unto God and he heard us. So, come on somebody. If he's been good to you, give him praise this morning. I love the Lord dearly because he has been good to me. When I came to this church, as Bishop was saying, I, I, was, I was a confused graduate. I just graduated, graduated from, from business school. I was a confused graduate who didn't have, I didn't have a job and I didn't really know what I was gonna do and I didn't really know what was gonna happen. But through the love of God and through the, the teaching and leadership of Bishop and Lady Carmen and all the elders who rule well in this house, God has really taken, taken my wife and I, our lives on a path that I believe gives glory to his name because he's, he's really transformed us. He's blessed us with children. Um, they're healthy. We're still sane. We're in our minds. We have three of them in the course of, uh, I don't know, five years, something like that. Um, but God has been so good, so good. And I honor, I honor Bishop and, the, and all the people who, who serve over us. Um, the Bible says that, you know, the, the, the teachers that he, or the preachers or the pastors that he gives us, they are, they are responsible. They will give account for our souls before him. And, and so I'm honored that I have a pastor like Bishop. Um, if you love Bishop, why don't you just put your hands together. I, 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 as Bishop said, you know, my dad, my dad's a pastor. Um, and so... I know that not all, but I mean, dad's a great, he's a great man of God, a wonderful human being. But I've been around pastors long enough to know that not all pastors are good, <laughs> good people. And so I, I honor God, and I honor uh, Bishop, I honor First Lady Common and all the teachers and all the people who serve, who serve in the background and make this place all, an awesome house of God and a great place to be in. Um, love you and God bless you, all of you. Um, if you have a Bible, Please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 4. We will read from verse 5 to 10 and then jump from verse 18 to 22. 1 Samuel 4, 5 to 10 and then jumping to 18. We'll go to 22. If you put a bookmark on that one, then you go to Luke. 2 from verse 8, we will read to verse 14. And while you find the scriptures, you know, the, the central point of my exaltation sermon, message, whatever you want to call it today, is the idea 
um, around the symbolisms of Christmas and what Christmas represent, right? And symbolisms in human culture are very powerful, right? Um, I gave the example. <laughs> I was going to give the example in the first service of my wedding band, and I realized that I forgot my wedding band at home. <laughs> um, you see, all the married people laugh different. Because when you're married, I'll speak for myself. I, I have a tendency to lose my wedding band. And that's because I, you know, I don't like soap and, and gunk to get in it, right? So every time when I'm going to wash my hands or do something, I take it off. The problem is I always tend to live it where, I, you know. And, and so when we first got married, my wife had a real problem with that. She was like, why do you keep losing? It's not that... You know, it's not that inconspicuous. It's not that small. Are you trying to tell me something? Like she, she just couldn't understand why I could never find the thing. Now, you know, we've been married a while. So now she, she doesn't complain. She just brings it to me. <laughs> I found your ring. <laughs> um, but the symbolism of a ring, of a wedding band, is, is, it's very sort of important in our culture, in, in this culture, right? Um, and I, I noticed that you are married. I didn't know that. Congrats. <laughs> come, 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 come for a second. Rory Ray Jr. Oh wow, Rory the third, actually. Um, can I have you, sir? Are you married? Okay, can you come? And, and, and this is to the idea around symbolism, right? So we all kind of know what a wedding band is. Can you show them yours? Because I forgot mine. Uh -huh. Okay, great. Oh, it's good. You see, you, this is a great volunteer. Now, he took, his, he, he took his wedding band off, right? Does that mean he's no longer married? <laughs> he wishes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you're still married. Um, okay, you're not married, right? So can you give him your wedding band? Um, okay. If he puts on the wedding band, is he married? Okay. But I just told you that every time I would lose mine, my wife would give me a hard time about it, right? But why does it matter? Right? Because if, 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 if I lose it, I'm still married, why does it matter that I don't have it? Anyone? 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 It's very symbolic of the marriage. And the the... The importance that I, that I kind of show and give to how I take care of it matters to my wife. So even though it isn't the marriage, it is symbolic, right? Now, if he, now let's say, this is not going to happen, but let's say he somehow took the wedding band home and he forgot to take it back, right? Don't do that you get in trouble. Uh, can he act like an unmarried person? No. <laughs> His mom said, he better not. <laughs> no, he can't. He can't. Because the bond of his marriage to his wife is, should be stronger than the wedding band. All right? Thank you very much. Give them a hand, please.
So in that illustration, I hope we see a few things. One is that the symbols are important, right? Because they carry meaning. And I was sharing in the first service, when we got married, um, the pastor who did the, the ceremony, he took the ring and he said, you know, like, as this ring is sort of circular or, or round, it's infinite. And it's sort of the fact that it's round, it symbolized the infinite love of God towards his church. And, and, and that's kind of what we're supposed to model in our marriage, in a Christian marriage, right? So the, the, the symbol is important. It's weighty. But the symbol is not the marriage. You could have, and this, <laughs> I saw, I, I, what did I see the other day? I saw some um, clip on YouTube. It's like all of this, you know, really short clips where this girl um, was telling her boyfriend that she wanted a ring that was at least $10,000. And he basically broke up with her because he was like, if you want that, I'm not the guy for you. Yeah. Um, because you could have a $10,000 ring and, and, and have a really crappy marriage. Right? You could have, my, my ring is, is maybe $25. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, but, but, I, I, but I actually, I, I, I deliberately picked that one because is, I, I picked it because I knew I, I, had a I have a tendency to lose things like that. So I figured, you know, if I lose it, I'll just buy another one that looks exactly like it and nobody will know. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so, <laughs> but but, 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 but it, it's important because, you know, I can't just lose it and say, oh, you know, I lost it. Uh, it goes that. No, I have to replace it. When I was growing up, um, I grew up in Nigeria. <laughs> in the building. <laughs> I died in the building, right. So I grew up in Nigeria, and there was this saying. You say, every day will be Christmas, right? Every day will be Christmas means every day is not Christmas. And, and it, it was used in this sort of sense of if, if you were talking to somebody and, you know, say, oh, you know, um, Tammy, can you, can you give me $100? She might look at you and say, you know, uh, yeah. You know, I know you, and, you know, I, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling generous today. You give him $100, right? And then tomorrow, if I see Timmy again, and say, Timmy, can you give me $100? I say, ah, every day, it'll be Christmas, really. <laughs> Meaning, it's, I, I, I mean, I, I can't give you $100 every time you ask, you know, because there is a connotation. There is a symbolism around Christmas that Christmas is a time of generosity and giving. And, and I remember growing up um, on Christmas morning. Christmas, literally, when I was growing up, was my favorite day of the year, like literally. Because when, when, I was, when you woke up in my house, we would always have our cousins, um, either we were at, at their house or they were at our house, we'd have our cousins over, their parents would be over, and my mom and my aunts would be downstairs and they'll be baking and cooking. And when you woke up, the, the aroma of the food just filled the house. I'm even hungry talking about it. <laughs> and, and there was all kinds of food. And we had special English breakfast. You know, the, we had bacon and eggs and baked beans. And we had, oh, it was just, it was sumptuous. And, and, and you could eat breakfast. And right after breakfast, you could just start to snack. Like, literally, in my, in my house, that was the only day you could do that. Like, you could, you could just eat breakfast, and you start to snack, and you have a soda, and you have another soda, and you, you didn't even have to ask your parents for soda. You could just take soda. It was the only day. 
Or you could, and, 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 and I remember my thing was the cake. Because my mom would always have cake for Christmas. And I would just eat cake all day. Because it was the only day when I could eat cake without asking. And so when I think about Christmas, I think about this joyful, it evokes for me this kind of joyful, celebratory, family field, fun field, food field day, right? And when I moved to the States, I, re I, I realized that, you know, football is a big part of it for most people. So there's the, there's the game on the Christmas day and, and people will eat their nice family. I remember the, my first Christmas, I was with one of my friends over at their house and we had a great, um, we had a great, you know, lunch and they said, yeah, it's not time for the game. And I, you know, I didn't know anything about football. But it was part of this big tradition, and I had to go along with it. And, you know, so since then, I've, I've, you know, gotten up on my football. And now, you know, I watch football <laughs> on Christmas Day, you know. So there's just this, this all these connotations and symbolisms that we attach to Christmas. And for some of us who are more spiritual, you know, you go serve at the soup kitchen. You, you, you bring presents to people. You know, you have connotations of Christmas that maybe are more spiritual than the rest of us. Amen. And that's great. The thing is, all of those things are great, but that's not what Christmas is about. And I want to, it is with this in mind that I want us to look at our text for today. The first, um, the first reading, which is 1 Samuel chapter 4. 1 Samuel chapter 4, from verse 5, our reading you're hearing. Here begins the reading of God's word. When the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does this sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid, and they said, God has come into the camp, they said. And they said, woe to us, for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hands of this mighty God? These are the gods who struck down the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be but then they said to themselves again, be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines, that you do not become servants of the Hebrews. As they have been to you, conduct yourselves like men and fight. And so the Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. The Philistines fought and Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter and there fell of Israel 30,000 foot soldiers. 30,000 people died. I'll jump to verse 18. And then it happened when he had, when he had, he made mention. So this is a, so, so they have this terrible experience. They lose the war essentially, the battle. Thirty thousand people die. The sons of the of the priest, Ophni and Phileas, also die. And so a servant runs from the field to tell their father, who's the high priest, Eli. What has happened? And he says, this, 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 so this is verse 18. He says, then it happened when he mentioned, this is the servant who had come from the battlefield, the ark of the Lord. 
that Eli fell out of the sea backward by the side of the gate, and his neck was broken, and he died. For the man was old and heavy, and he had judged, meaning he had ruled over Israel for 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child, due to be delivered. When she heard the news that the ark of God was captured, and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she bowed herself and gave birth. Basically, the bad news induced her labor, right? So she, she was pregnant with a child, she had this terrible news, and she goes into labor, and then she has a child. Can you imagine how traumatic that experience is? For somebody to, to, to hear that not only has her husband died, you have to understand also in, this, in, the, in the day that this scripture is written, excuse me, that women did not of themselves have status in society, right? So her status in society was tied to her husband. That's why there are very few women in scripture that are mentioned by name. Many times people are mentioned or referenced, or women are mentioned in reference to their husbands, right? Because the society was patriarchal, right? So she hears that her husband has died. But not only has her husband died, her father-in-law, father so his father is dead. And then her, her brother-in-law is also dead. So all of the men in her life that gave her standing or that would give her status were completely dead. But here's the interesting part. So the midwife says to her, do not fear, you have born a son. But she did not answer, nor did she regard, she didn't care. She didn't regard it, the fact that she had born her son. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, the glory has departed from Israel. Here's this lady who hears that she's suffered traumatic personal loss. Her husband is dead. She's suffered economic, social status loss, right? Father-in-law, brother-in-law, they're dead. But all of that, it's as traumatic and as painful as it is. The Bible says it actually induces her labor. When she was going to name the child, the thing that drove her the most was that the glory had departed Israel. Because she recognized that it didn't matter as much. It was a big loss to her personally that the men had died in her, in her life. But it was a bigger loss that the glory had departed. It doesn't matter who's in your corner. If God is not with you, the glory has departed. It doesn't matter who's not in your corner conversely if God is in your corner everything that you need for life and for godliness is in your corner you see the problem with that Israel had and this this you can read the background to the story in in the previous chapters is that Israel 
So let's, let's talk about the Ark. The Ark of the Covenant was the symbol of the presence of God in Israel. Actually, it was, it, it, when God gave them the dimensions and the instructions for how, how to build the Ark, he actually told them, he said, this is where I will dwell with you. So it was literally for them the presence of God. The priest or the high priest would go into the holies of holies in, in the tabernacle of Moses and he would make a sacrifice at the mercy seat. The mercy seat is, so the, the ark is, is a rectangle box that's made of wood and covered in gold. And the mercy seat is pure gold and it had two cherubims at the top of it. And the, the, the blood would be shed to make remission for the sin of Israel. And that was the job of the priest. Only the priest or the high priest could do it right? The problem Israel had is Eli and his sons, well, his sons, but Eli was complicit because he was the high priest. They had broken the relationship with God and actually were just, you know, the Bible says they were doing all kinds of crazy things. They were stealing the money of the people. They were, they were having sexual relations with the, with the women. There were all kinds of craziness, right? And so, the relationship that was supposed to be serviced in order for God's presence to remain on the ark had been broken. So the symbol of the presence was there, but God wasn't there anymore. But in the eyes of the people, the fact that they had the ark meant that they had God. Here's the crazy part. They believed it. Right? They believed it enough because, you know, we, we jumped in the middle of the story. So I'll give you some context. They, they suffered some losses. They lost a few thousand men initially in the initial stages of the battle. And somebody has an idea. Says, oh, here's what we need to do. Go get the ark. <laughs> if we bring the ark, we're going to kick this. We're going to, you know, win this. Right? So they get, go, but... There are specific instructions about how to move the ark and who can carry the ark. So only the priest can bring the ark. So Ophni and Phileas, they grab the ark and they, they, they bring it. And the Bible says that when they brought the ark, Israel was so happy, they made such a noise that they caused an earthquake. The earth shook. They were so convinced that God was with them. That they convinced their enemies that God was with them. <laughs> right? Because they were convinced that God was with them. They were so joyous. The other folks said, wait, what's going on? Oh, see, and, and, and you read it in the text. In verse 4, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, it says, the Philistines were afraid. And they said, God has come into the camp. So they were so convinced because they had the ark that God was with them. The Philistines were convinced that the ark meant that God was with them. Here's the thing. Symbolisms can be powerful. If, let's say, I'm not, but let's say, if I was Iranian from the country of Iran, right, and I took the, the American flag and I started to burn it, there is a reaction that people have, visceral reaction, anger, 
there's just emo strong emotional reaction because of that action, right? Because I'm, I'm burning the flag. And I also happen to be from the same country, right? Because it's almost like I'm spitting in the face of all Americans, right? There is a, that's the power of symbolism. They, they had the symbol of the present, but they didn't have the present. Christmas has all of this symbolism. You can think about yours, right? What it means to you. And as a result of what it means to you, what you do, and, and the rituals that you have around Christmas. But that doesn't, it, it doesn't mean that we are doing or celebrating Christmas the way that God intends us to, to celebrate Christmas. The, th the, 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 the true power of Christmas is in doing it the way that God wants us to do it. A friend of mine said this, it was really powerful when he said it. He's a worship leader. And he, he went somewhere to, to minister. And the song that people wanted him to sing was not the one that he sang. And people were upset. And he said this to them. He said, worship is not about the song that you want to sing. It's, a song about, it's about the song that he wants to hear. Wow. It's the same principle. Same principle. Our worship our daily worship in our lives is not about what we want to say to God. It's about what he wants to say to us. Christmas is not about what we think is important. It's not about our rituals. It's about what God did. What did God do with Christmas? When man fell, actually before man fell, before man fell, because the Bible tells us in Revelations that, that Christ is the land that was slain from the foundations of the world, right? So even before man fell, God made a plan to rescue him, right? And that plan was Jesus. Jesus is the real seed of Abraham. It's not Isaac. Isaac is not the seed of Abraham. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. And th through 42 generations... Am I doing the math right? Yeah, 42 generations. Because if you read Matthew, the beginning, the, where he talks about the genealogy of Jesus, there's 14 generations between Abraham and David. There's 14 generations between David and the exile. There's 14 generations between the exile and Joseph. So 42 generations. What Jesus did at Christmas, or what God did at Christmas, is that he brought together, it's a culmination of an internal plan that he had to save mankind from himself. That's why the angels were singing. The baby was born, yes. But the plan. See, that seed, the enemy tried to kill it. And Abraham was, was without child. But God made it happen through faith, through the faith of Abraham. And then he went to Isaac. And then the famine tried to kill it. But God preserved it in Jacob and, and his family. And God preserved that seed all the way for 42 generations. And so the culmination of that plan was the birth of Jesus. That's what Christmas is about. It's about God's eternal plan to give us Christ. And not the, just the baby Christ, the triumphant Christ. Christ who is seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers.
So for us, what is God asking us to do? Luke 2. I read from verse 7 this time. Verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son, that's Mary, bringing forth Jesus, and wrapped him in swaddling cloth and laid him in the manger because there was no room for him in the inn. And now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the field, keeping, over, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you in this day the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a, a, a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God, singing glory to God in the highest, and peace. On the earth, goodwill to all men. What God is asking us, you and I, to do is what Mary did, which is she received the word of the Lord and accepted it. And she gave birth to this baby, Jesus. And she nurtured him through and built you know, the mother-child relationship with him. And the Bible says that when he spoke to the, to, the, to the shepherds, what he said is, this will be the sign. You will find a babe. What we're supposed to do every day is find Jesus. Every day is Christmas when we do this. And that's what Christmas is about. It's about finding that babe. Well, finding the reason Christ, the triumphant Christ. We're finding Christ every single day. Receiving him so that joy fills our world, so that there's peace and goodwill towards all men. That is the imperative of Christmas. All of the rituals and the traditions that we have, that stuff is good. Some of it is good. But the most important thing is this finding of the baby, this finding of Christ. What does that look like? Um, can you help me, brother, with the chairs? What does that look like? Can I have three volunteers? You can sit. On the stage? Okay. Bishop says we have to put it on stage. I, and I do whatever Bishop says, so. All right. All right, perfect. Can you come? Good to see you, brother. I know. Craig. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Yeah, just sit right here.
So this is, this is what it means to find Jesus daily. Every man is made up of three parts. Your spirit, your soul, your body. When we are not saved, this is what happens. The spirit is dead. Right? So all that you have is this connection to the world. Your senses, your education, your family experiences, all the stuff that's happened to you, right? We all just suffered 20-something <laughs> months of collective uh, isolation, whether we liked it or not, right? Through COVID. And all of that stuff that's happening to you is speaking to you, right? It's speaking to you. You lost your job. That situation speaks to you. It tells you you're not good enough. You don't measure up. Your parents treated you a certain way. You're not worthy. You don't deserve love. All the stuff that you go through is speaking to you every day. The body is speaking to your mind. So you're internalizing the things that, that's being said to you, right? And so as he thinks in his heart, the Bible says, so is he. So this is coming in. It's getting internalized. It's getting dumped over here, right? So I'm speaking to him. And we cover him with the blood of Jesus. The enemy would not use this against him because... We have to be mindful of the devices of the enemy, right? Right? So I'm saying, you're useless. You're not good enough. So he's turning around and saying the same to him. Right? So this is his mind. So he's to turn your chair around and begin to talk to him. Just talk. Right? So all the stuff that he's hearing, he's talking to him. Now, his spirit is dead because he's not born again yet, right? When he gets saved, he wakes up. <laughs> now, now, what happens when we are alive is that our spirits now begin to talk to God. We have now the capacity to receive from God, right? Now... Can you face me? So he's now talking to me. And I'm saying, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are head only and not beneath. You have the mind of God. You're not confused. You have sound mind. You don't have fear. I will take care of you. I'm your shepherd. I'm calling you to greater and better things. Right? But notice that because... His mind is still engaged here. The stuff that I'm saying to him doesn't register quite yet. Because his mind is completely locked up here. This is the process. See, when you get saved, salvation is both an instantaneous thing and it's a process. This is the process by which God begins to redeem us. Because he's... he's, he's so. He translates us from the kingdom of darkness into light, right? 
But there's a process through which we are made like Jesus, right? Paul says it this way. It says, we all with unveiled faces. So the unveiling of the faces, now that his spirit is alive, he can hear what God is saying. So we all with unveiled faces, we are beholding Christ as in the mirror. And as we behold him, we become like him. We're translated from glory to glory. So there, is, there are dimensions of glory. There are the stepwise process of growth in glory. And so as he spends time daily to receive Jesus, he begins to get more confident. And very soon, he gets confident enough that he taps this guy. And, and exactly, exactly that. And then he begins to speak to this guy. So, so when, go, when, when they say there is a, a recession coming, he says, because he's been with God, he says, when others are saying that they're casting down, I will declare there is a lifting up. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory, which is through Christ Jesus. If he does this long enough, he, now you can turn your seat around, his mind becomes fixed on, on, on God. Paul says, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ, or the intent of God, is that we will have the mind of Christ. And we get the mind of Christ when he faces him. He was writing to the Galatian church, I believe. He said, my little children, I travail over you. He said, my travail, so I'm praying for you every day. I'm praying, I'm travailing, I'm, I'm in deep prayer for you. What, what is my prayer? That Christ is formed in you. The intent of Christmas is that Christ is formed in all of us. Zechariah 12, verse 8. The Bible says this. It says, in that day, the Lord will, I'll make sure I remember it correctly. Zechariah 12, verse 8. The Bible says, in that day, the Lord will defend the house of Jacob. This, is, this speaks of Israel, but in the, in, in the New Testament speaks of the church, which is the ecclesia, you and I, right? So the Lord will def defend the house of Jacob. And he says, the least amongst them will be like David. The weakest amongst them will be like David. You know what he says next? He says, all of them together will be like God. That is the intent of God. That the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. How does the water cover the sea? Completely. And the only way that that happens is that you and I have this encounter. God fills our lives, fills our families, our jobs, fills our church, fills our neighborhood, fills the earth completely. So I invite you, my time is far spent, I'm, I'm well over time at this point, but I invite you to, as you celebrate and as you enjoy the season of Christmas, to make this a practice, to sit before God and say, what are you saying to me today?
What is your word for me? What do you want me to say? Who do you want me to say it to? And just listen. Because the things that he says in this moment will bring glory to his name. When the angels were declaring joy to the world, peace on earth, it's because the kingdom of Jesus or that Jesus was bringing, those are the characteristics of, of the kingdom. When people walk in this church who don't know God, they experience God. That's why they say, you know, I like your church. I don't really know why, you know, I, I just kind of like your church. What they're experiencing is the kingdom of God. They're experiencing the peace of God, the joy of God. They don't know what it is. They can't explain it in the way that you and I can if you've been in church a while. But what they experience is the kingdom of God. That's exactly what God wants it to be. When I go to work, people meet me, they should meet the kingdom of God. When you go to your school, people meet you, they should meet the kingdom of God. Until the knowledge of the glory of the Lord fills the earth as the water covers the sea completely. The least amongst them will be like David. And all of us together will be like God. God bless you. the Lord. Thank you, Brother Byron, for the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's all stand as we get ready to let you go. And uh, there's a reception downstairs for us to greet each other and bless each other, but before we uh, dismiss, if you're here or you're online and you want to have a different Christ Mass than you've ever had before, where Christ Mass, the celebration of Christ, the experience of having God speak to you. The, the, the awakening, the awareness that Emmanuel, God, is with you. That happens when you receive Christ just like Mary. When the angel, the messenger, said to her that she is going to bear Christ chapter 1, verse 37, 38, she says, let it, let it happen to me according to your word. And that's what God wants you to say. God, let Jesus happen to me according to your word. As every head bowed and eyes are closed, God wants you to have not the symbol of Christmas, but the reality of Christmas, the reality of Christ. And the 
if you know God was speaking to you and you were saying, you know what, I want to I wanna give my life to Jesus or I've been away from Jesus. I used to walk with him, but I'm, I'm not walking with him anymore. But I, I, as the song we sang earlier, I'm, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. I'm coming back to Jesus. And you're saying, Bishop Brian, could you, could you just pray for me and lead me in prayer to give my life to Jesus? His heads are bowed, his eyes are closed. If you're saying, please, I, I, want, I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to tell you to come up, but I want to pray with you. If that's you, could you lift up your hand so that I can notice, make sure that we don't miss anybody. You want to give your life to Jesus. Put your hand up. Let me see that hand back there. And another hand. I want to make sure that we don't miss anybody. I see that hand. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Is there anybody else you want to give your life to Jesus? Say, yeah, you want to give your life to Jesus. Want to make sure. So those who lifted up your hand, I want everybody to repeat this prayer with me. And if you're online, you can receive Jesus right where you are. You don't have to be in this place. You just have to be before Him. Those of you who lift your hand, could you just keep your? Could you put your hand up again? And everybody repeat after me. What you're saying is, God, I'm over here. God bless you. Keep your hand up. And repeat after me, everybody. Dear Lord, I come to you this afternoon knowing full well that I need Jesus in my life. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus to die for my sin. And you rose him again from the grave so that I could be saved. And so Jesus, because you're alive, I'm asking you to save me because your word says, whoever calls on your name shall be saved. So I'm calling you right now, save me and make me a child of God. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing my prayer. For I know right now, I'm a child of God. Can we just praise God for those individuals? And the beauty of it, and the beauty of it is that, let's say you didn't raise your hand, and you're like, oh, I wish I raised my hand. Well, if you said that prayer, Jesus has come into your heart. Amen. It's not about simply raising your hand. It's about inviting Christ into your life. And if you did it online, there'd be some information for you with regards to uh, uh, what, what we can give to you. We want to make sure we, if you don't have a Bible, we give you a Bible. Uh, we want to make sure that you're growing in Christ as bio shared. And again, those of you who receive Christ, if you don't have a Bible, if you want infor more information, uh, please make sure that you, you can see me. Uh, we'll be downstairs. You can see uh, the welcome team will point you in the right direction, but we want to make sure that you grow in Christ. Can we give God praise that somebody actually gave their life to the Lord? This is the real Christmas. God bless you, Bio, for the word of the Lord. Now, in this church, we don't, uh, we don't say closing prayer. We give a closing blessing. And so we're going to ask you to open up your hands as if you're ready to receive a gift because you are receiving a blessing. And the reason why we have you open up your hands.
because the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and perfect gift comes from above. And so God wants to bless you. And so we say this prayer based on Numbers, the book of Numbers in the Bible, chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May he look after you, shield you, defend you, and take care of you this week. May the Lord make his face to shine, grin, beam, and show his pleasure on you this week. May the Lord this week show you his favor that will promote you, that is move you forward, appreciate you, support you, side with you as you side with him. And finally, may the Lord give you his shalom, his peace, his rest, his harmony, his calmness, his composure, his prosperity, his success, and his bio shared earlier, his joy. And may the Lord remove anything that causes agitation or discord with his divine purpose and destiny for your life. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody say, I receive that blessing. God bless you. See you downstairs for fellowship and have a great week in the Lord. Hey family, thank you so much for joining us for today's service. Special thanks to those of you who continue to generously support the work of this ministry. We are so grateful for you and it's because of you that we can be a blessing to this community. If you enjoyed the service today, please like, share with your friends and family, and subscribe to our channel so that you can get a notification whenever our services go live. We also invite you to follow us on social media at PT Cambridge in order to stay connected to this ministry. Hey, we look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for watching and God bless you. Hey family, thank you so much for